0: Life is complicated, isn't it? Overcomplicated. That's why we're doing a series called Simplify, and last week we kicked off this series, and we kicked off 2021, a brand new year, talking about what it would look like to simplify an approach to life. Now, I can't make life easier. I wish I could do that. I can't make my life easy necessarily and yours, but it doesn't mean we can't simplify things. And we talked about an approach to life last week that if if we could just get there, if we could just get to the place where you and I recognize our need for less of just more, more stuff, more things, more in our calendars, more of whatever, and instead embrace more of what is best how simplifying that would be. It doesn't mean it would be easy. In fact, that's very challenging to do, but it would simplify things so much. And we talked about what it would look like if we had some filters. You know, we talked a little bit about coffee and I riffed on that a little bit and and probably offended some people, non-coffee drinkers and some pretend coffee drinkers. If you, you have to go back last week, you'll know what I'm talking about. But uh talking about filters, and what would it look like? What would it look like to have some filters in life that you could put everything in life, relationships, decisions, job, money, everything in life through these filters, and out the other end, what you were left with is not necessarily what's easy, but what is best, what is best, and that's what we need more of. And today what we're going to do is we're going to start with the first of three filters that I believe will simplify so very much. But before we do that, I need to kind of lay a little bit of groundwork. And uh, no funny stories, no uh, jokes at this point. Uh, We'll we'll get to some of that maybe a a little bit later. We need to jump into the deep end of the pool and kind of lay a foundation for all of us to kind of build from. So hang with me. All right, here's something that's true for your life and my life and all of our lives together, and that it's this, life starts with God. Life begins with God, my life, your life. It, it truly does. I mean, I, I look at my life, and I'm like, well, it didn't start with me. Your life didn't start with you. And you might be thinking, well, I thought life started with the universe. Oh, okay, I see what you're doing. I see where you're going. Okay, so let's, let's go there. Where did the universe start? How did the universe start? And no matter how scientifically you want to describe it, whether you it helped you to understand the universe as happening over a long period of time or for others uh, who feel like it's more of a succinct short period of time, regardless of how you want to come to understand it, ultimately, it didn't start with me and it didn't start with you, and it didn't just happen on its own. Logically, that doesn't make sense to have an uncaused cause. No. Something had to start this whole thing to begin with. Ultimately, we believe the universe, life, starts with God. Which means means all of us come from God. Follow me here. And eventually, all of us are going to die, and and we're going to end up standing before God. So as a result, logically, the middle between when we got started... Because of God, and where we're going to end up before God, that middle thing called life, we should take God into account during that. That ultimately what it's all about. Fascinating to me, if you want to get to the heart behind atheism, if you want to get to the heart behind what atheists believe and why they believe what they believe, and if you're an atheist, I don't mean this disrespectfully to you at all. Matter of fact, I'm glad you're here. I respect you for being here. Good for you. But the heart behind atheism really is when you get down to the foundation of all of it Is that we'll try to explain our existence without god So that at the end of life, we don't have to answer to a god And so in the middle we can just basically do what we want without taking a god into account and so (laughs) that, That that's kind of the gist of it But you and I need to understand for our purposes today and I'm not saying you have to believe this right now, but this is what I believe as a church, this is what we believe, that God is the context of all of that. That it makes the most sense logically and factually and scientifically to say that we came from God, we're going to end up standing before God, so the middle, this life, we need to take God into account. Now, that's not to make anybody afraid. That's not meant to cause fear. That, oh no, we're going to stand before God. No, that's that's meant to be a context. It's meant to be a context for you to understand. That's the big picture. Now, for those of you who are Christians, let's take it one step further. For those of you who are Christians, you need to understand that it's not just God that we're talking about. Specifically, we're talking about Jesus. When we talk about God specifically as Christians, we are referring to Jesus because Jesus is God in flesh and bone. When God wanted to show the world who he was and what he was like, he sent Jesus. Jesus is what God has to say about himself to the world. When God wanted to reveal to the world what he was like and who he was, he sent Jesus. And so if you want to get to know God, you need to look no further than Jesus Christ himself, and you will get a crystal clear picture of who God is. And so if, if life is about God, specifically Jesus, then wouldn't it make sense then for us to consider Jesus' way, his desire, his purposes in all things? So for Christians, specifically, we're talking about Jesus. And even if you're not a Christian, this will help you understand what this is all about. If you are a Christian, a follower of Jesus, this is so clarifying because life is so complicated. And here's where it simplifies things. That you come back time and time and time again. If it's all about God, if it's all about Jesus, then what does Jesus say? What does following Jesus mean? What is Jesus's purposes about? What what is all of that about when it comes to my life? Essentially, what we're talking about here is that you and I need, here's our first filter, a Jesus filter to run every part of life through. And when you run every part of life through a Jesus filter, and we'll talk about that, that looks like in just a moment, but you run every part of your life through a Jesus filter, it doesn't necessarily get easier But I can promise you, it will become more simple when you understand what Jesus would want you to do, what Jesus would want you to say, how Jesus would want you to live, how you approach this decision, this relationship, this financial issue, this quandary in your life, whatever is complicated, you run it through a Jesus filter and what you end up with at the end is what is best. Not always what is easiest. But what is best? Did Jesus filter for everything. So there's the foundation. So let's tease this out a little bit. Paul in the first century was writing to a group of Christians in the city of Corinth. And this is how he explained it to them. He said, Jesus died for everyone. And we could stop right there. And that pretty much explains why all of this matters at all anyway is that Jesus came and he gave his life for you and me, and so this life that you and I have is in response to what he has done for us. Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive his new life trust in him will no longer live for themselves. There's an alternative, and here's the purpose. Instead, they will live for Christ. They will live for Jesus who died and was raised for them. That is the Jesus filter for life. He's saying Jesus came and he did what he did for us so that we would have this context by which to understand what life is truly about, in that Jesus gave himself for us. And looking at that in response, we're like, okay, then this Jesus filter is what life is about. We don't live for ourselves. They don't live for me. I am too small of a thing to live my one and only life for. They don't live for ourselves. We're way too small. To live for. We need something big to live for, to give our lives for, and regardless of who you are, you need to understand that the purpose for life is bigger than you. The purpose is not that we live for ourselves, but we live for Christ. It's a Jesus filter in every situation, it's a Jesus filter in every problem, considering Jesus with every question, every decision, every relationship. And the best way to describe what the Jesus filter is all about is to come back to Jesus' most common invitation to people when he was on earth. When Jesus was on earth physically ministering to people in his ministry, his most common invitation to people is still the best way to understand what Jesus asks of us even today. And And it wasn't, listen to me. It wasn't, study me. It wasn't, argue and debate me. His most common invitation was this, follow me. That's it, follow me, follow me. Jesus would come up to people and say, hey, you follow me. And Jesus meant that in every part of life. That is the Jesus filter. When we run everything through, what does it look like to follow Jesus in this, in that? In this complicated, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to say, this is so complex, so complicated. Wait a second, time out. Let me run this through the Jesus filter. What does following Jesus look like for this decision? What would be the following Jesus thing to do in this relationship, in this situation? That is what Jesus, that's what God expects of us, is to run everything through that filter. It is so clarifying. It is so simplifying. It's not always easy. In fact, it's downright hard sometimes. But it will help you clarify what you need to do and how you need to live next. It's fascinating to me and troubling too how many things we make following Jesus about other than actually following Jesus. Uh, Christians do this Unfortunately, the church has done this. The church is responsible in history for doing this way, way too often. We make following Jesus about a lot of things other than actually following Jesus. Um, when, you, when you ask people today, uh, are you a Jesus follower or you follow Jesus? I mean, I think a lot of people are like, well, sure. And immediately what they're thinking is like following Jesus on Insta right, or, or Twitter or Facebook. Because, see, social media, with all of its great qualities... <laughs> has hijacked the word follow in our culture. It has. So to follow someone on social media, what does that mean? It means you click the button and you're watching them. You're creeping on them from a distance. You're not doing anything. You're not actually following them anywhere. You're just watching them. And unfortunately, a lot of people think following Jesus is just that. We're going to study about Jesus and we're going to watch him do his thing. We're going, we're going to watch. We're just going to, huh, isn't that interesting. Well, that's so good to know. I love going to church to learn about Jesus. Not that it means anything for you, right? Wrong. That's not follow. You don't creep on Jesus just watching what he's doing. That's not following Jesus. We make following Jesus a lot, about a lot of things other than following Jesus. In our culture. Even in church world, we've we've made Jesus about a lot of things other than following Jesus. We've made it about status and power. We've made it about politics, and 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 and, and, and who you're voting for and, and who you're not and, and what your opinion is on this or that. And you know, it's not it's not. I mean, it affects all that, but it's not about that. We we we've made it about money. It's not it's not about that. We make it about going to church. That's a good thing to do. I'm glad you're here. Glad you're joining us online. Welcome. And it's certainly a part of it. But it's not just about that. We make it about, you know, learning information about God, Bible facts, Bible information, and, and studying and, and collecting all this information about who God is. And well, that's all fantastic to do, and that has a place, but it's not just about that. You could say it includes that, but it's not just about that. It's not about just self-improvement. Hey, and get this, following Jesus is not just about going to heaven when you die. Even though, but it's considering the alternative, fantastic place to spend like forever and ever is in the presence of God. But following Jesus is bigger than just where you, what's going to happen to you when you die. Do you know what following Jesus is about? Get this. You might want to write this down, not because I, I said it or I'm super smart because I'm not, but following Jesus, this, I'm going to simplify this for you, okay? Doesn't make it easy, but it makes it really simple. Following Jesus, here it is, the most simple way I under, need to, to tell you and, and know to understand this is this following Jesus is simply following Jesus. Do what Jesus did. Talk as Jesus talked, Go where Jesus went. Care about what Jesus cared about. You treat people the way Jesus treated people. You respond to critics the way Jesus responded to his critics. You treat your enemies the way Jesus treated his enemies, um, i.e. He died for them. He didn't He didn't attack them. He didn't riot them too soon. Too soon, maybe? Too fresh. Yeah. He didn't pick at them. He didn't make a public shame of them. You know what he did? He climbed up on a cross and he died for the people. He disagreed with. Wow. You see? Ain't nothing easy about that. But it's really, really, really simple, ain't it? Really, really simple. Sorry, I was starting to get sidetracked there on what it means to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus means simply to follow Jesus. You remember as kids, come back to me in a second. You, may, you remember the kids uh, Kids, when you play the follow the leader game? play the follow the leader. Remember that? I don't know if kids still do that or not. If your kids don't play follow the leader, somebody needs to teach them. That's just a classic game and it's cheap. Real cheap. It's easy. It's, just, it's great. Um, and When I was a kid, I lived between a graveyard and up on the hill was a cow pasture. So, follow the leader was so much fun, especially in the dark. Cause see, cows leave surprises for you if you know where they are, and other other kids don't. And you know, the graveyard—that's just fun. That, and I know it's disrespectful, and but ain't nobody there. It's just a bunch of boxes, um, literally. It's, it's just it's a lot of fun. Follow the leader. You know that. Hard to follow the leader, right? You know how to play that game. Here's the leader. And everybody's following him or her. And whatever they do, you have to do. That's the game. And, and wherever they go, you have to go. there, And however they do that, and however they go, and whatever they say, you have to do exactly the way, what they do, exactly the way they do it. And if you don't do that, you can't, I mean, you're out. You're out of the game. That, that's just what it means to follow the leader. Now, now, here's the deal. Life is no game. And it's not a laughing matter. But I don't know of a more simple way to understand what it looks like to follow Jesus. You just learn what Jesus did, find a way to do that. What Jesus said, find a way to say those kinds of things. How Jesus treated people, start treating people like that. And, and see how Jesus lived, and lived that way. Simple enough. Absolutely. Do you see how simplifying that is? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know what I'm supposed to. I'm don't supposed to live my life. It's so complicated. Now do this or this. Okay, wait, wait. wait. What's the Jesus way here? What does it look like to follow Jesus? In fact, here's the question. Here's a question. What does following Jesus ask of me in this situation? Whatever complicated situation you're in. What does following Jesus ask of me with this decision? It may not make it easier to make that decision, but it should simplify the decision. Oh, I, I, oh this is much more a <laughs> following Jesus kind of way to do this. What does following Jesus ask of me in this relationship? What does following Jesus ask of me? In my job, what does following Jesus mean with this financial decision that I need to make? What does it look like to follow Jesus in every area of life? Real quick, let me give you a snapshot. The night before Jesus was crucified, he spent some time with his closest followers, his disciples, in what we now come to know as the upper room discourse. It's a series of conversations he had with his closest disciples. Now, when you are at the end of your life and you know you're at the end of the, your life, you get really intentional about what you say and how you say it, don't you? Well, not that you've ever been there, but you've been around people maybe. I mean, they pull those they love close to them, and, and, and they go over the big, de- the, the big things, the big things. I want you to know this. I want you to remember this, and please don't ever forget so in John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, those five chapters, it, it covers a lot of what Jesus talked about in that upper room discourse in the night before he was crucified, and, and, and so much there, so much there. So it was Jesus kind of saying, all right, fellas, and they had no idea what was getting ready to go down the next day, even though he was trying to tell them they didn't fully get it. But Jesus knew what was getting ready to happen, so he was leaving them with a summary of the things they needed to remember. And what he gave them was a crash course on what it looked like to follow him. Not just learn about him, not just know stuff about him, but actually apply the Jesus filter and live their life asking, What does Jesus ask? Following Jesus ask of me. And if you read those five chapters, which I, we're not going to do that right now, we don't have that much time, but if, if you would read those five chapters, John 13 through 17, you will discover things like this that following Jesus, was about trusting Jesus. Jesus invited them to trust him. Trust him. And, and they were, they were going to see the next day just what kind of savior he was. But he invited them to trust him. He, he also challenged them to serve. To serve, unselfishly serve. In fact, he washed their feet at the beginning of that experience together in john chapter 13 and he said you know you've seen how i've served you now i want you to serve each other he taught him to love it's a big part of following jesus in fact you could say all of this really is about a love response to god's love to us he said i want you to love but i don't want you to come up with your own version of love i don't want you to come up and and just love people the way culture defines love no i want you to love each other the way i loved you and when you do that then the world will know that you and i are on the same team He talked about sacrifice. And boy, they had no idea what kind of sacrifice they were getting ready to see him make the very next day. He talked about living selflessly, putting others first. He talked about obeying his commands. And his commands almost always had everything to do with loving and serving and giving to others. He talked about what it looked like to abide in him. Here's a word we don't use often. We don't use this language much. But the word abide means to remain closely connected to him. He talked about relying on his spirit. These are the things that it looks like. This is what it looks like. These are the descriptors of what it looks like to follow Jesus, to rely on his spirit. And actually he said... I'm going to send you my spirit and you rely on my spirit and my spirit will remind you, remind you, bring back to your mind the things I taught and what it looks like to follow me. It's a beautiful, powerful plan. And then he talked about unity. In fact, towards the end of that, in John chapter 17, the disciples kind of at a distance were listening to Jesus praying. At least John was close enough to hear what he prayed because John wrote it down. And in Jesus's prayer, so much of that prayer was about Unity. Unity, unity. Come together, come together, come together. Don't let the world divide you. It's so important that you be unified. Yeah, you're going to disagree politically, but you'd be unified. Yeah, you're going to disagree on who to vote for, but you'd be unified. You're going to disagree on the finer points of life. Yeah, but you, you could come together around who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you. Snapshot of what it looks like to follow Jesus right here. So when you ask yourself, "What does following Jesus? Ask of me. It looks like this. Now, there may be some of you going, oh, this is simpleton stuff. I I know all this. I know all this. Where's the deep things of God? Oh, oh, well, let me ask you first. You got this stuff mastered? Have you licked this stuff? I mean, you you got this down, right? I mean, so you you fully live a life of obedience to, to Christ in everything. Oh, like you're completely selfless. There's not a selfish bone in your body. You got this love thing down, right? No, I didn't mean neither. I didn't think so. This right here is a lifetime endeavor of following Jesus. And you never outgrow it. And you never go beyond it. Because there's always another step to take. That's why here at the summit, we like to use the phrase next steps. When we describe what it looks like to follow Jesus. Think about it. It's very intuitive. Jesus is going this way. He's going that way. I'm over here. So I need to take a step in his direction. I need to take another next step in his direction. Oh, Jesus went that way. Oh, in this area of my life, then I need to walk over here and take some steps towards Jesus in this relationship or this decision or with this career move or whatever. Whatever following Jesus asks of me, I take a next step. And here's the beautiful thing about next steps. Everybody can take one because everybody has one. Everybody can take a next step because everyone has a next step. Whether you just started following Jesus and you're trying to learn how to spell Jesus, that's great. Or you've been following Jesus for years. For years. Regardless. Everyone can take a next step because everyone has a next step. You never grow beyond taking a next step and following Jesus. Because you don't have it mastered. I don't have it mastered. There's so much more. talking about simplifying life. Here at the summit, we've put them like this. We, we've identified five key next steps that we believe when people make these a part of their lives, it helps them take next steps towards Jesus. Now, some of you, you will see your next step up here. and You're like, yep, that's, that's what I need to make a part of my life because these are the kinds of things, when they're a part of your life, help you take those next steps. Others of you, we're going, I've done all that. I've checked all those boxes. Now what? Well, first of all, have you mastered all of these things? And maybe it's time for you to come alongside somebody else and help them take their next steps. That's all part of it. For some of you, baptism is your next step. You know what baptism is? It's the public declaration that you have decided to follow Jesus, that you have decided to put your, you are trusting in Jesus and you want to follow him and you want to let the world know it. And Jesus said, You ought to let the world know it. It's something to be public with. It's it's definitely personal, but it's never supposed to be private. You go public with it and let the world know, I'm a follower of Jesus. Maybe that's your next step. You say, well, I've already been baptized. Well, great. Is there somebody else in your life that you need to help them come to a point of trusting in Jesus and then publicly declare it through baptism? There's always a next step. Serving. Serving serving. Jesus was all about serving. He said, in fact, John recorded, Jesus is saying, I didn't even come to be served. I came to serve others. So around here, we serve. That's a key part of following Jesus. You say, well, I I do serve. Well, who didn't you need to bring along with you? But we can always serve with greater passion and greater intensity. Groups, we'll talk about this later on in the series. Jesus was all about relationships, journeying with Jesus with other people. Journeying with Jesus was never meant to be something you do solo. You need others. Even those of you that aren't people, people. I get that. You're not a people person. You still need people. You need to follow Jesus with other people who are learning what it means to follow Jesus. This might be your next step. You say, well, I've already done that. Well, who do you need to bring along? Giving. Is that, oh, what's that got to do? See, I told you it's not always easy. It's very clear. Jesus was generous. God's generous. God's generous. All right, try going through life without him. He's so generous. And, and oh man, all that Jesus talked about in his teachings about money and finances, he talks so much about it because it's a key part. Because he said how you handle your money lets people know what's going on in the inside of your heart. Lets people know. Lets people know. So he's generous. And if you're going to follow Jesus, you can't be stingy. You cannot be stingy and say you are following Jesus in the area of your finances. You just can't do it. And so that's a, that's a key next step. Key next step. And inviting people. Key next step in following Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus invited everyone. Everyone, everyone, everyone. He invited specifically even the ones that religion kicked out. That religion said, you can't, you, you're too bad, you don't follow the rules, blah, 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 blah. Jesus invited them. And since Jesus invited everyone, we ought to invite at least someone. And then another someone. And then another someone. You see, this is why we do these next steps here. Everyone could take one because everyone has one. You just go further and you never outgrow it. And here's the deal. At the summit, I want you to know this is a safe place and that you have a next step. And we want to help you take it in discovering what it looks like for you to take a next step in following Jesus. If you're a spiritual skeptic, let, let's say that you've never believed before or, or this is the first time you've really ever been in a religious or Christian church environment. You need to know that there is a, this is a safe place for you and there's a next step that you can take. And we want to help you take it. But it could be that you were raised in a Christian environment, but because of life, maybe you're not quite sure now what you believe because of how life has happened to you. When you were a kid, man, you were all about it, but now you've kind of grown up and life has happened and you've got all these questions and maybe you have doubts and you doubt who God is and you doubt this stuff about Jesus. And you need to know. First of all, you need to know I have doubts too. I'm still learning stuff. I still struggle with stuff. I don't have this mastered. But this is a safe place for you to bring your doubts and your questions. Bring them on. And we'll take a next step together because you have one, I have one, we have one together. Perhaps you like Jesus, you love the sound of Jesus, you just don't like church so much. And maybe you've been hurt by Christians in the past or maybe you've been hurt by church in the past. Maybe you've been hurt by this church in the past. We're not perfect. We're not always going to get it right. But we will commit to discovering what it looks like to follow Jesus together. And we're going to keep working at this together. It's a safe place for you to journey. You have a next step. We want to help you take it. It could be that you're new to following Jesus or, or maybe you've been following Jesus for years or, or you're just not quite ready to come back in person and you're trying to learn what it means to follow Jesus online. Great, fantastic. This is a safe place to do all that and you have a next step to take and we want to help you take it. It's about this Jesus filter, this question of what does following Jesus ask of me? Discover that next step and then take it and then take it, take it, whatever it is. Whatever is the most complicated situation in your life, ask this question of that situation right now. Maybe it's relationships that's really got you stumped. What does following Jesus look like in your marriage? Do that. Told you it wasn't easy, but simple. Do that. Love each other unconditionally, but you don't know her. You're right, I don't but you don't know what it's like to live with him. Thank goodness. I know me. That's enough. What does following Jesus look like in your parenting? What does following Jesus look like with that person at work that you just really don't like? You can't stand him. You don't like him. So how did, Jesus, how did Jesus treat his enemies? He died for them. See, doesn't that simplify things? Doesn't that simplify things? Maybe you got some decisions you need to make. What does following Jesus look like? Ask of you in these decisions. Maybe it's a financial thing. You get you got some financial decisions. Okay, what is the most honoring thing to Jesus? Maybe it's a career thing. You got some career questions coming up. Some career decisions okay, so what does following Jesus look like? Maybe problems. You got problems? Anybody got problems? We all got problems. You know what's interesting about problems? It's often when we face problems that people stop following Jesus. Maybe they assume that, well, gosh, I was following Jesus and I I thought I wouldn't have to deal with all this. No, no, sometimes you have problems because you follow Jesus. Jesus said that would happen. So often the right next step to take when you face problems is you keep following. You keep following. You keep putting one foot in front of the other until you get through it. Let me, let me ask you this. Look at your schedule and how you spend your time. Look at your commitments and ask, what does following Jesus ask of me? Look at your calendar. Maybe you look at your calendar and you're like, oh, there's no room for Jesus in this calendar. I'm so packed. I'm so scheduled. I can barely fit. Isn't that interesting? I hear people all the time talk, talking about, I mean, we're, trying to find, we're trying to carve out some space so that we can get back in church. We're trying to carve out some space so that we can serve. We're trying to carve out some space so we know these things are important. That must sound very odd to God. Don't you think? It must sound very odd to Jesus how we, how we take this one and only life that he has given us <laughs> and we pack it full, full of our own stuff and we try to say, I'm trying to squeeze you in a little bit, big guy. hope you appreciate this. Hmm. Look at your calendar. Look at your schedule. Look at your time and ask. Do I have the margin by which to follow Jesus? When Jesus asks this of me and following Jesus requires this of me, do I even have room in my life to make that happen? See, this is a challenging question, but it will simplify so much. It will simplify your life and help you know what next step to take. And it will be a different next step for all of you, I'm sure. We're all at different points, but I believe God wants you to know it and he'll show you. In fact, one more thing, one more thing. Do you know that, that God actually wants to help you follow him? And that it, it, it seems like, it's like, duh, but well, no, think about it. A lot of people have this idea that God was like, follow me and good luck with that. I'm making it as hard as I can. Try to figure it out and don't screw it up. A lot of people have that idea. That's who God is. That's the God I grew up with, okay? That's the idea of God I grew up with. And then I discovered that God wants me to follow him so much. He sent his son, and his son died for me to make God accessible to me. And then he wants to help me follow him. One of my favorite passages in the New Testament is Philippians 2.13, and I leave you with this. For God is working in you. God is working in you. I, I don't even care if you're, if you're a Christian or not. I believe God is working in you. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. The desire. That means the want to. God will give you the want to to follow him. The desire. And then the power. The can do. He will give you the want to and the can do. The power to do what pleases him. To follow him. He will help you want to do it and then he'll help you pull it off. So ask him to help you follow Jesus to take that next step. To ask, what does it look like in this? What does it look like in this? What does it look like in this? And then do it. It really is that simple. Let's all just follow Jesus, gang. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for making following Jesus so accessible and so simple no it's not easy yes it's very challenging be one of the hardest things we ever do from time to time but you said that you would give us the desire to do it and then the power and I'm asking that for myself like never before and all of my friends here And everybody watching online, that you would help us want to. And then help us know we can do it. Give us the power, the ability to follow you. Help us to consider what following Jesus looks like in every situation in our life and learn more and more what that looks like. And Father, help us to understand not to complicate it. But to stay focused on one next step at a time and to simply make the decision to follow Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.